Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. And now for something completely different. Welcome into another episode of the Get Cocky Podcast on a Monday in which it's probably fair to say most Carolina fans not feeling too cocky after the Gamecocks were upset 24-20 by North Carolina up in Charlotte over the weekend in the season opener. But we still have a fun podcast planned for you guys today. We're going to introduce a new segment where we go into the student section to get a ground-level view of exactly how the game went. And uh, when I was planning this podcast out, I was anticipating that was going to be a more fun segment than it may end up being today. Although the relative tragedy of the game may make for a more entertaining game anyway. So really excited to get that started. And by the way, if you guys want to nominate yourselves or one of your friends for it, Twitter is the best way to do that. Tweet me at Pearson Fowler. You can DM me or just tweet with the hashtag get cocky. Same if you guys have any questions or want to get any comments in that you would like to hear on the podcast. That's the best way to do that. Uh, Also going to take a quick temperature of social media, particularly Twitter, which has an interesting and I think usually inverse relationship with the success of whatever favorite football team it is that you support and follow in Twitter circles. So this was a bad weekend for Carolina football, but a really, really good weekend if you were on Twitter. So we're going to go through a little bit of the best of the best. But first, I wanted to get into some specific thoughts about the North Carolina game. And I spent several hours on my local radio show on 107.5 The Game today trying to unpack as much as I could. And there's a lot to unpack. And I don't exactly know where the best place to start is, but I guess I will start with where people have been the most vocal, and that is with their dissatisfaction with Will Muschamp. Now, the reality is, for those of you that haven't seen the numbers circulating on Twitter, it does not make any financial sense for South Carolina to get rid of Will Muschamp now or even at the end of the season. If South Carolina waits until December... To get rid of Will Muschamp, they owe him $18 million. If they were to do it this week or any time before December, they owe him $22 million. So suffice it to say, that is not going to happen. Uh, not only because you have to pay Will Muschamp, but then, of course, you know the question that people are, I think, increasingly asking as it becomes an earnest suggestion to get rid of Will Muschamp is who do you go get next? If you want to get a Mike Norvell or a Dino Babers, you also have to buy them out of their contract. And now we're just talking about absolutely ridiculous sums of money to go get a coach that would maybe theoretically be better than Will Muschamp. I I think Will Muschamp still does some things well. I still think, again, he's lost most of the fan base. He hasn't totally lost me. I think it's fair to be asking the questions. I think it's fair to criticize. He's not yet won a big game at Carolina. His team seemed regularly unprepared 
for not even big games, just hey, this is a little game, he, he, being unprepared even for little games. So I think those are all legitimate criticisms. But uh, the progress that he's made on the recruiting trail, which uh, we can talk about the impact of this game with that um, a little bit more on Wednesday when I do another Carolina podcast with Chris and Wes, I think there are things that you can really point to and say this is progress given where the program started when he first got to Columbia. But I think now is when it becomes really fair to start considering whether or not he is the guy that can get the program to the next level. He did a good job of getting this program from three and nine to nine and four and to really building itself again, especially in the recruiting show. Carolina still got a commitment from five-star running back Marshawn Lloyd. That was not where Carolina was in 2015 when Steve Spurrier left in the middle of the season. So that is real discernible progress. But the, the ability to get over the hump. I mean, Carolina might very well be staring three and nine in the face again this year, and it's not for lack of talent. It's for lack of, again, the, the preparation and the actual, like, you know, coaching part of coaching and not even player development, game in, game out, week in, week out kind of stuff. So I think it's fair to, to start to ask those questions, but I think it starts with this coming week with Charleston Southern. If Ryan Helensky is the starting quarterback, I think Will Muschamp will win some portion of the fan base back over and and I don't want to say buy himself some more time because again he's not getting fired at the end of this season the earliest he would get fired is after 2020 just because of again the financial implications of getting rid of Will Muschamp but I think starting Ryan Helensky would be a move in the right direction a step towards mending that relationship and saying okay this thing that we have already invested too much time in that we have been headstrong about we are, we're going to accept that we were wrong. We're going to be progressive as a coaching staff. We're going to look to the future. I think that's what this football team needs right now because, plain and simple, Jake Bentley is not the guy. I've been saying this for years. People didn't want to hear it at first, and maybe I was a little bit too early in starting. Maybe I jumped ship or earlier than I should have. But what we saw, even starting his sophomore year, was that this is a guy that could not consistently command the offense. Some people have said it's... You know, he's not emotionally mature enough or whether it's an understanding of the offense and RPOs in general, whether it's his ability to, to physically make the throws, not that he's got a weak arm and he can't throw it down the field, but to do so accurately, he's just not there. We've seen now three years of this guy, you know, almost, almost starting from halfway through his freshman year. We've seen all of his sophomore year, all of his junior year, now the start of his senior year. And there has been very, very little progress in his play. It's time to go ahead and move on. If Ryan Helensky is not the guy, I think Will Muschamp is signing his resignation because the rest of the season is not going to go well. And, you know, unless 2020 is a spectacular upgrade over 2019, I think I think it would be sort of uh, seriously. I think he would be signing his his own resignation letter in, in a lot of ways. And not to mention the fact that next year, Jake Bentley is not going to be here. No matter how much the coaching staff loves Jake Bentley, no matter how important the influence of Bobby Bentley is on the offensive coaching staff, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but whatever influence is there, it's not going to matter because it's going to be Ryan Helensky to carry on Joyner or Luke Doty. And don't you want at least one of those guys to have some real in-game reps, whether it is Joyner or Helensky. And at this point, it would be Helensky because he's the clear-cut number two quarterback. That has to be the move. If you look at the film, I've, I did a little bit of this on my local show. I'll do it you know, throughout the course of the week. We'll do a little bit on another Carolina podcast, and we'll get into some of it when we go in the huddle later this week in preparation for the Charleston Southern game. But Carolina just looked very vanilla, very one-dimensional on offense. It was a pretty boring, non-diversified running scheme. The passing game was, 
equally unimpressive and uninspiring. Very easy to, to, to snuff out. It was RPOs. It was slants. It was drags. It wasn't even intermediate routes. It was short routes. A lot of bubble screens and swing passes. And Carolina just showed a complete unwillingness to actually go down the field with the football. We even had a caller earlier that made a great distinction. You don't even need to connect on those passes, but just show that you are willing to do it to loosen up the defense, to give them something else to think about. Jake Bentley attempted seven passes that traveled 10 yards at least in the first three quarters. That's completely unacceptable for a senior quarterback for now a veteran offensive coordinator with wide receivers that we have been told all offseason are ready to to take a step. And, you know, you're not going to have to worry about Debo Samuel not being there because you have some guys in Brian Edwards who's, you know, pro ready and Shai Smith who's ready to take the leap and Josh Van who's ready to take the leap and Ortre Smith is back. You have all these options and then you just don't use them. on Joyner had twice as many receptions as Brian Edwards. I don't know why that's so much part of the game plan when you can't even score 20 points on North Carolina. I think there are a lot of problems with this offense fundamentally. A lot of people have made a lot of noise about the defense as well. I think that's a little bit overblown. The defense had two bad drives, and they were both horrendous. But until that point, they had held North Carolina to nine points, which is about what you would expect. I don't know why the defense you know, collapsed there towards the end. I don't know what the problem with the tackling is. That's That, that, that should be resolved by now especially given as many veteran guys as you have on that defense especially on the defensive line that shouldn't be an issue anymore I'm less concerned about the defense though and, and maybe maybe I'm missing part of the big picture here maybe I'm being myopic my concern is with the offense though if you hold defenses to 24 points a game you're going to be one of the better defenses in the conference if you can only score 20 points a game you're going to be one of the worst offenses in the entire country not just the conference in the entire country so that needs to be improved if Carolina gave up 400 yards of offense and 24 points to North Carolina. It's like, okay, you know, Ben don't break. Need to need to improve some things. Need to get better at tackling. Got to do it. Got to make a couple of adjustments. But even with the defense giving up those two long drives, all those yards, 24 points, there's no excuse for Carolina to have lost this game. The offense needed to score, obviously, more than 24 points. But there's no reason they shouldn't have. They started five possessions in North Carolina territory. They had a fumble. They blocked a field goal. They did absolutely everything that you would want them to do, except for execute when it actually mattered. There are a lot more issues. I've already gone a little bit long on this. I like to keep these opening monologues to uh, you know five to seven minutes. I've, I've gone a little bit long on this, and we're going to have more uh, throughout the week. Obviously, tons of stuff on Gamecock Central. Now's a great time to be a subscriber if you're not already subscribed. And if you've never been a subscriber and you want to be, uh, you can use the exclusive podcast code GCPOD to get a month for free just to see what it's like. And plenty of stuff being written by everybody, Colin Taylor, uh, Wilhelm's great follow on Twitter, obviously Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell doing great work as always. We're going to do another Carolina podcast on Wednesday, and we'll be back on Friday. Fridays typically are going to focus a little bit more on the upcoming opponent, but given that it's Charleston Southern and given that there are so many storylines here, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about uh, that North Carolina game. But those are some of my overarching thoughts. Sort of big picture, I was at the game, but again, watching it a little bit detached, watching it as removed as I uh, possibly could be, um, those are sort of the things that I saw that I think need to change or were particularly problematic going forward. But now, as I mentioned earlier, time for a new segment. We're going to go into the student section, talk to somebody that was there and experienced this devastating loss, maybe the worst loss of Will Muschamp's tenure firsthand. Here he is, a man that calls himself Gamecock Rusty. All right, very happy now to be joined by a man that calls himself Gamecock Rusty for the first edition of In the Student Section, where I go in and talk to students or recent students, fans that were actually there, and kind of get a 
get a perspective on what actually happened and the sort of the emotional part of the game. Uh, so, Rusty, thanks so much. Uh, really happy to have you. Uh, you've been a Gamecock fan your whole life, right? Yeah, whole life. Uh, you know, that didn't say a lot because I got family members all over the state that have had to deal with this crap for too long. <laughs> I've only had to deal with it for 22 years, so I guess you could say I'm lucky. But uh, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, like you said, I was at the game. It was it was pretty terrible, to be completely honest. Um, Preacher, were you at the game? Yeah, I was at the game. Uh, it, for me, it was it was kind of bad even from the beginning. Like the the crowd wasn't like it, there weren't that many people there. The crowd wasn't even that excited. It didn't feel like a real you know game. I felt like uh, I felt like there were more Carolina fans, South Carolina fans there than North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I just it, you were you're right. It definitely seems like there was no enthusiasm. I think that we thought we were going to win that game before kickoff. I mean, we have you know UNC. They got they they sucked last year, so you know to them this was a huge game. But I felt like going into this game, all I heard was you know we're going to beat the crap out of them and you know, take the over, but I don't know if North Carolina's going to score that many points, which is all a bunch of crap because, I mean, Will Muschamp is supposed to be this defensive genius, yet we can't tackle. We can't do the basic things right. You know, our best play- – J.C. Horn's a great player, but I didn't really see him make that much of a difference out there. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, who, you know, is huge. He's, what, six foot seven. Uh, he couldn't do any very much against those weak little ACC linemen. You know, it was just an embarrassment to be to be a Gamecock fan there. But it's it's also kind of been an embarrassment to be a Gamecock fan. I wouldn't say when we hired Muschamp, but I'd definitely say that ever since uh, probably that fifty six to seven Clemson game, uh, that was that's been I think the downfall of our you know the boom era. And I think that this game is just the final straw. Even though, you know, knowing us very well, we could have Will Muschamp for another year, year and a half. You know, it'd be one of those things like Florida where, you know, it takes a, a whole lot to get him fired. And yeah. I don't know, it sure would be ironic if the Florida game this year was the final straw for Coach <laughs> Boom because, you know, we knocked him off back in, what was that, 2015, 2016? Whatever it was, 2014, 2015, maybe maybe 2014, but you're, you're right. There would be some, uh, I guess, kind of poetic, it'd be a morbid poetic justice, but poetic justice, I think, not even justice, but it would be somewhat poetic if that were the case. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the history. Uh, when Will Muschamp was hired, were you generally in favor of the hire? Did you like Will Muschamp, or, or were you kind of skeptical from the beginning? So I felt like I was skeptical, but also I felt like I approached it positively because I had no other option. You know, we we just came off one of the worst seasons that I've ever, you know, been alive for. I was a, two years old when we went 0 and 11, but and one and 10. So I don't I don't even remember that. Um, but yeah, that was rough. That was my freshman year. We went three and nine, and I was hoping. Well, the, you know, I don't, I'm sure you remember 2014. Went seven and six. Had one of the best offenses in the SEC, if not the best, but our defense was trash. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking forward to this new, you know, coach. We've had Spur for about 10 years. I was looking forward to something new and something fresh, but 
It's looking like it's not new or fresh. It kind of reminds me of uh, the end of the Lou Holt there, to be honest. So did did Saturday dramatically change your opinion about the direction of this program and Will Muschamp? Like, were you optimistic about this team coming into the season? I wasn't optimistic. Um, I would say I was about 80% not looking forward to this season, but now I am 100% not looking forward to this season. And I'm not an optimistic guy. <laughs> I am a very negative person, and I think that was a straw that broke the camel's back. I think he needs to go. Yeah. Well, you know, I I appreciate your honesty and and saying you're only 80 percent, uh, or you were 80 percent not confident going into uh, the season. I, I guess I guess the question now is: Is there anything that can happen? the rest of the season, you know, within the realm of possibility. I don't think it's realistic to say Carolina is going to all of a sudden go 11-1. and one. Um, I mean, I think 6-6 six and six at this point is kind of a stretch based on how they played on Saturday. But is there anything that they can do or that Will Muschamp can do that would get you back on board? Uh, I mean, I mean, he'd have to, for me personally, I think he'd have to beat Georgia and either Alabama or Clemson or at least just two out of the three preferred I'd really prefer Clemson, but I, it's not going to do it for me, but I think it will do it for the people who sign his paycheck. I think that it, that's all he really cares about at this point. Uh, it's just saving his ass for one more year. What about the quarterback situation? Do you think it should be Ryan Holinsky, or are you someone that wants to see carry on Joiner? I'm, I'm guessing you fall in the camp of people that have had enough Jake Bentley. I mean, yeah, you know, I can, you know, do basic math and read and write. So, I can see that, you know, Jake, Jake Bentley's not the one, but apparently the guy that we pay $5 million a year can't see that. So frustrated, Pearson, I'm frustrated. I, I can tell. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, I'm sorry about that, Rusty. But uh, but you were in the game. You were there in Charlotte on Saturday. Um, very disappointing. Uh, the folks you were sitting with, I mean, was, was there any optimism? Is there any is there any optimism silver lining to be found here, or was, was it just kind of doom and gloom? Uh, I think Taven Feaster and Rico Dowd both played amazing. I think that uh, I think they are a, uh, also Shy Smith. He played great. He was great on uh, him and Brian Edwards were great on special teams. Um, I mean, I would say I think we have some offensive weapons. Uh, I just don't think that number nineteen is the one to be throwing them the ball and calling the plays. Uh, I definitely think we need to see some change. Whether it's Ryan Olinsky or DeCarion Joyner, it, I think that change would be good no matter who's in the backfield. So you don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that Carolina could turn it around with someone else under center and you know maybe not beat Alabama, but be good enough to beat Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Kentucky? You know, well, maybe. Yeah, we, we, hell, we did it when we had Jake when when it was you know. Jake Bentley was the one coming in, you know. Right, for, for Brandon McElwain. Yeah, exactly. And it's not impossible. It, we've done it before. It's just this weird full circle of irony, I guess, that the you know football gods are just laughing at the University of South Carolina for another day. And I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't, I don't know how to fix it. If I did, you know. People still probably wouldn't even listen to me. If you um, knew how to fix it, you'd be the one making millions of dollars to be the head coach if you had all the answers. Probably, but it, uh, it it does feel it does feel cruel, slightly unusual. But it, I mean, it, I think you said it right off the top, and I think you said it well. I mean, that 
they this Carolina team seemed like they thought they were going to waltz into Bank of America Stadium and wipe the floor with North Carolina and that they were a better team in every way. And they, they seemed overconfident, which is weird for a team that hasn't really accomplished anything. They've but proven, um, they've, proven, they've proven nothing. They've mm-hmm. proven absolutely nothing. Um, you know, they beat a Michigan team that, you know, was playing with the backup quarterback um, in that outback bowl. But, you know, we also had some bad losses that season. The one, the one season, I guess, that they could ride off of somewhat success I don't really know. Um, I don't really know where the rest of this season is going to go. If I had to make, if I had to put money on it, I'd say mm, five wins. I think we could muster up five wins if we keep Jake Bentley. Now, if we have something new in the backfield, whether it's Ryan Holinsky full time to carry on full time, or they're both of them splitting time, I think that number goes up. But I don't think that we're going to get it done with the guy who's in the backfield right now. Yeah. All right. Well, Rusty, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, to share your thoughts, your experience watching the game in Charlotte. I'm sorry that it didn't go better for you. I'm glad that you have some hope, some optimism for the team, uh, for the direction of the team going forward anyways. Um, you have any parting words for uh, for the folks listening before I let you go? Um, I guess I would like to say that we can't be that hard on Jake Bentley because he is – a guy who has won us some games and done good things for the university, but you know, just like everybody and every profession in the world, when it's when it's your time to be done, it's your time to be done, and maybe there'll be greener pastures for him somewhere else. But I just don't think that it's at the University of South Carolina. All right, well, Rusty, I appreciate that wisdom. You're right; it's it's not personal. It doesn't need to be an emotional decision. It's it's just business. South Carolina needs someone that can. Uh, I guess run the offense a little more smoothly than Bentley has shown that he can do, at least with some consistency. So uh, thank you so much again for your insights, Rusty, and and best of luck in your fantasy team and things that you can control. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Go Gamecocks. Thanks again so much to Gamecock Rusty. And like I mentioned earlier, if you guys want to be the fan that we talked to from the student section, just hit me on Twitter at Pearson Fowler, DM me, tweet at me, tweet with the hashtag get cocky. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We want to do um, a lot more of that as we go. And hopefully other games are more fun to talk about, a more positive emotional experience for the fans than that North Carolina game was. Before we get out of here, wanted to get some highlights from the weekend on social media because it was tremendous. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with one that ended up being sort of an overworked Twitter joke. Shout out to uh, Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of the Press Box Pod for coming up with, uh, I guess, that bit. Maybe not like specifically the concept of an overworked Twitter joke, but uh, I saw it a couple places, so I can't give one specific person credit. but saw a bunch of people inquiring whether or not they're is a transfer portal for fans. I saw that uh, shared amongst Carolina fans as well as Tennessee fans who, in case you missed it, lost to Georgia State, which also led to a lot of Carolina fans on Twitter saying, hey, bring Sean Elliott back to Columbia, which was um, not an earnest suggestion probably, but also kind of funny. Um, But congratulations to anybody that made the joke about needing a transfer portal for fans. Brent Johnson, my former co-host, mentor, A lot of things. Great guy. Great tweeter. After the game says, after witnessing today's Gamecock loss for therapeutic reasons, USC should be required to sell alcohol to fans at williams Price. I can only imagine what kind of an uproar there would have been if Gamecock fans didn't have alcohol at Bank of America Stadium to help take some of the edge off. So just one more mark in favor of selling alcohol at williams Price. And then for my money this weekend, social media was one 
by someone with a very deserving name of this kind of victory. Universitas Carolyn posted on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central. Jake Bentley is the title of the thread. Take it easy on him. He should be a junior. Universitas Carolyn, take a bow. You have one social media for this weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends if you guys like it and you want us to keep doing it. Uh, also, just continue to tweet with the hashtag GetCocky if you guys have any questions, thoughts, anything that you want to share with the pod that you want on here, or if you want to be a guest on next Monday when we go into the student section. We'll be back Friday with a little more In the Huddle, some gambling with Andrew Mason Dixon, and a brief look ahead to Charleston Southern. See you have a great week. Talk to you again on Wednesday with Chris and Wes when another Carolina podcast comes back. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.